Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. SaveWithConrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out. No house payments for two months at SaveWithConrad.com. What's up, Airheads? Welcome back to the virtual Airstream Studios. I'm Trey, and that's Corey, and it's time for Putting On Airs. Uh, this week... Hey, Trey. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm well. That hits. You look good. I like that uh, <laughs> like that little get-up you got there. Thank you. I got my yeah, frills on. Yeah, sort of look like Dilbert going to a funeral. Yeah. Which is appropriate, because he dead. <laughs> Did you know that? Did you know that Rest Dilbert dead? I... I didn't know that. Have they like officially canceled? The I don't comic think strip? that's canon. Oh yeah, yes, the comic strip has been canceled. <laughs> I don't think it's canon that he killed himself, but it's my head canon. Yeah. <laughs> right. Dilbert couldn't deal with the pain of being canceled, and you know, jumped out the window of that Dude, office building or whatever. Surely, surely he's going to get picked up for way less money for the record, but like by Breitbart or something, right? Like I feel right. like those people usually always have a resurgence yeah. somewhere else. Well, so for people that don't know what we're talking about, we don't get political on the show, but Dilbert being dead is funny. Uh, he, the, <laughs> the guy that created Dilbert has got a, a real fringe right winger type dude. And recently he went on the internet and went on a very, very, very racist tirade. And, uh, you know, you'll have that, right? But I guess all the news. If you want to know what type of racist tirade it was, just so that we're not, you don't think we're blowing it out of proportion, he literally said that he purposefully lives in a neighborhood where there's no black people. Yeah. So it wasn't like pretty on the nose. So a lot of the newspapers where it was syndicated nationwide, his creation, Dilbert, they canceled it. So Dilbert is dead. Anyway. We're very much alive here at Putting On Airs, and this week uh, I'm doing part two of getting drunk, uh, as I told oh, y'all last yes. week. Oh, uh, yes. Last week we talked about, like, uh, parties, festivals, that type of thing. Uh, this time I'm going to round it out by just going over some of history's best drunks. These people are fancy and famous, and we're also routinely hammered then we'll talk some about uh trash drunks i've got a list of trash drinks i want to use to reminisce with chokes i'm sure we both have experiences with many of them and we'll have a grand old time then after that history of professor cho is on the subject of the cadaver synod yeah never heard of that once in my life i don't think uh so you've totally got me this time and i'm looking forward to hearing about it but before we get into that, um, every now and then, a lot of y'all probably know who Smart Mark Ag is. He's a member of the Extended Skew Universe. Uh, so if you're part of the Extended Skew Universe and you know Smart Mark, 
he'll send us stuff that he thinks is appropriate for this show. Corey will oftentimes send me and Mark stuff that he thinks is appropriate for weekly skews. So we got a nice little back and forth going. Mark sent us something a couple of days ago, and Corey is going to tell us about it because it is pretty good. Yes, breaking news, Trey. And I know this is going to come as the shock of shocks, but it was just reported that the holy anointing oil for King Charles III's coronation will not contain the intestinal wax of sperm whales or civet secretions. And I mean, what's the what's point the of point? even going on? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, are, like that shit ain't gonna work. He ain't gonna get none of his king powers if it ain't got the civet juice in it or the whale guts, you know, like it, why even have holy anointing oil if you're not gonna have the most key ingredients in it? No, I have I've got so many questions that you probably don't have the answers to. I know you're gonna read us some more details, but it's like how did those things become part of the recipe in the first place? What are the intended uh uses of those particular ingredients like i feel like i probably know why they've cut them out endangered species type shit or something like that i'm assuming but like uh what what the whole thing just what What, i don't well (laughs) you brought up a good point though earlier that i hadn't even actually thought about is that like all of their stuff and we know that it's silly bullshit but they really do seem to believe it that they are divinations from god and that you know that's how they justify their rule is like no you don't understand like literally god chose our great 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 whatever and we're the royal line and we're the people that are supposed to do this and they do supposedly have you know godlike powers and stuff and so to me it's like then you if you do believe all that, then all of these rituals have to mean something. And therefore, like, I'm sorry, but you can't start getting woke on, on your fucking, you know, coronation. Right. Secondly, Did God... I didn't know that he wasn't already coronated. Right. Yeah. Did God or did God not decree that the holy right. anointing oil must contain whale butt and cat juice? Right. Like what? Or, yeah. you know, whatever them two things are, because like if he did you can't just take that out. Like you're saying, you know, it's the Lord's will, isn't it? And the Lord's whales. He's got the right to say, use their guts. Right. If you, of course, I don't believe all this shit. I'm saying, as you're saying, right. But they do believe all that shit. (laughs) Yeah. You know, how do you justify it? Like, I'm pretty sure that like, if you're going to Catholic mass to take sacrament and you're just like, oh, I'm sorry, does this body of Christ have gluten in it? They're just gonna be like, listen, this is the cracker. You know right. what I mean? This is the one like it's unlet. This what you get. Like you either take this one or you don't get nothing. But also I'm now I'm starting to think back on it. Like, you know, this sounds like a very old ancient ritual clearly, but like how back in the like, 900s were they getting the intestinal wax of sperm whales i guess that they would just wash up on shore whaling i've got more questions about the so civets civets a cat right it's a type of cat right aren't they the same ones that poop the coffee yeah aren't they right yeah yes they are i don't know where they're native to that one's wilder to me because like whaling I know it was a big thing, you know, like get it. lamps were like whale oil and stuff back in the day. Like they used the fuck out of whales for a very long time. And that right. was like a big part of the culture up in that part of the Atlantic and shit, I think. So I'm not surprised by the whale part, really. But the civet part does kind of get me. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, so here's what it says. It's the holy anointing oil. Uh, this is from the insider.com, by the way. The holy anointing oil used at the coronation of King Charles will be, it's because it'll be animal and cruelty free. The sacred chrism oil has previously contained oil from the glands of small <laughs> mammals, such as civets and ambergris. Do you know what an ambergris is? No idea. Never heard of that. But, you know, they call like eggplant aubergine and stuff. So that could be like a possum. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not but saying it is, is. I'm saying it could be a different word for something that we are familiar with. But no, I've never heard that before. But interestingly, though, like this wasn't just like this wasn't a royal decision. This was strictly King Charles's decision. And it actually is like in line with like, say what you will about Charles. Uh, but that dude actually has dedicated his entire life to environmental charity and stuff like that. And like, I've read several books on the Royal family and I've read several interviews with people that know these people. And like some of them that used to be close to the Royal family when asked like, Hey, how much of that is for show and how much of that is, is real. And they would be like, Charles is annoying at how much he talks about, environmental issues they're like he genuinely believes in all that it is the thing that consumes his every day when he's not actually actively working on it he's talking about that at dinner parties much to the chagrin of a lot of the royals who don't give a fuck about the environment you know wonder if him and my boy al gore uh hit for each other i bet they do you i know, you know they I'm met right surely they had to but especially because al gore was like super he was like the face of he was the OG he was, climate yeah, queer. He was the OG AG. That's right. And Charles and, had to know the, that. So, yeah. I wonder if they'd be talking on the phone about whales and stuff. I need to yeah, ask. I don't know I, if I they're talking on the phone. And by, next time I say him. You, you should. And, and yeah. just to let everybody know, when I said that he's the OG environmental queer, I meant that with the highest, utmost respect because Absolutely. I consider myself an environmental queer as well. And, you know, as we've told a million people, Al Gore was super cool to us. Um, Al Gore's, but I mean, we haven't said it on this show. I'm not going to do the whole story, but just so y'all know, because it was one of the wildest things in my life. And I'm not just saying this. I swear I'm not like, fucking I'll back Cor it up. Corey's met him too at Zanies and stuff. The whole narrative on Al Gore politically like in public, the milk public toast. facing narrative was that he was milk toast. He's boring. He has no charisma and all this stuff. Let me tell you all right now, in person, yeah. Al Gore is one of the suavest motherfuckers yep. you will ever meet. Ever. He is effortlessly charming. And none, he's I bet say none of it was fake. as fuck. Like, Funny. He's fun. He's awesome, dude. He's awesome in person. I could like, it's, I, it made me wonder like, are other politicians just so much even more so that by comparison, because that's hard for me to believe, or is it just one of those things where it's like a narrative just gets written about a person and then that's just how it is after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. like that at all. Like, I, I don't know if it was just like when he was running, he was just like, I'm just going to be straight facts. Mm. I'm going to be the guy who's just, I'm going to use my brain, not my wiener, you know? But like, yeah, I mean, he was, I was, because we even both, I think, said to each other when he left, we're like, if that guy ran for president, he would have fucking won. You know what I mean? Like, without question. Um, 
back to back to this bullshit Al Gore does hit. Uh, the new oil will be predominantly olive oil with a mixture of rose, jasmine, cinnamon, orange blossom, and sesame, which like, don't get me wrong, that's an oil I would much prefer to have on like a piece of toast, but like none of that sounds like it's going to give me magical powers. I agree, but I wonder if they brought in some kind of like British Gwyneth type chick who was like, listen, we got to get rid of the whale guts <laughs> and the cat uh, grease, right? What <laughs> What do you got? That will replace that. And she was right. like, well, you know, we could start with some orange blossom and a little bit of whatever the hell else you just said. And it'll have, cause like, I bet those people can name like properties that each of those things have. Do you know what I mean? Like essential oil. That's people. true. They're like, well, here's what the whale butt does. And we can approximate that with the judicious use of lavender and shit. Well, dude, actually, this is just the next paragraph has answered my question. The olives used for the royal oil are harvested from the burial site of the king's grandmother, Princess Alice, who mm. rests who rests at the Mount of Olives Monastery of Mary Magdalene in Jerusalem. Okay. The oil, the oil for the coronation set to take place on May 6th was made sacred in Jerusalem's Church of the Holy Sulphur, where Jesus was crucified and buried. So they okay, got well. olives. So they've done it. They have done it. I mean, yeah, they might just any old olives there. That's Jesus olives from like straight from the source. So, yeah. But then again, it's like, so maybe you don't need the whale and the cat, you know? I mean, like, apparently, well, we'll see. We'll see. Like, yeah, right. We'll see how it turns you know what out. I mean? What if he doesn't yeah, right. glow after they anoint that's his head <laughs> as his custom? Then there is like, like, well, that didn't work. You shouldn't have took the whale out. God damn yeah, it. Yeah, isn't. Isn't as soon as like a, the king or queen is anointed, there's like some sort of orb that starts glowing in Saudi Arabia or some shit. Like we right, got to yeah. check the orb. We got to see if the groundhog sees the ore in mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia. Um, at the coronation, King Charles III will be blessed with the oil when it's touched on his head, chest, and hands. This tradition is so sacred that it was banned from being filmed at Queen Elizabeth II's coronation in 1953. By the way, this is the first coronation since 1953. That's fucking crazy. The BB, uh, at, at, it's still, uh, not yet known if the public will be shown this blessing at Charles III's coronation. So in, in, uh, in summation, it's all because of his environmental stuff, but then they went and took the olives to Jesus' crib. So, I mean, you know. Well, they took the olives from Jesus' crib, right? From Jesus' so crib, like, yeah. They are... No, no, no. They the took them from Mary Magdalene's crib. Oh, and then they did, then they did they, whatever. Then to they them. took them to the church where Jesus was buried and crucified. The church where is now located where Jesus. I just read this, and I'm probably getting it wrong. They then took it to the the burial site of Jesus and had them make it sacred, which is where a, a rabbi, I guess. Uh, I don't know. It wouldn't be a rabbi in this situation, mm -hmm. would it? No, no they no, would because no. that would make it. <laughs> that would make him not king. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can't have that. No, uh, but then they, they, you know, made it the Catholic version of kosher or whatever. I now wonder who did the blessing of these Jesus olives, because, like, it was some kind of priest, right? Probably it had to be, an yeah, Anglican, it wouldn't be the Pope. Anglican yeah. priest, right? Church of England, yeah. probably. I wonder if he's, like, the highest one they got, and they sent him on a, you know, on a mission to uh, Jesus' land to do all this. You know what I mean? Or if he was and just then, like, there. Right, but surely not. Because that's what I was thinking. No. First. It's like, does a guy just get assigned to be like 
the Holy Olive Man. But well, you gotta only figure been, this there hasn't a, been a coronation since 1953. So, like, has that dude just been sitting there this whole time? There. <laughs> or is there like an archbishop who they're like, dude. hey, you're gonna have to do the olive shit because we ain't got nobody else? And you know, then he goes, I was up. about to say, there's been four olive men come and gone since the last coronation. I'm certain right. of it. But yeah, I mean, there th- there's no way that this wasn't handled by like the top guy because, like, can you imagine? how the monarch would feel if they were like, hey, we're sending our assistant olive man. Is that cool? Our main mm-hmm. olive guy, he was, he's was he got a he's going on a cruise with the Pope. So it, is this cool? Like, no, they got to, like, if we're not doing sperm cum anymore or whatever, we at least got to have the top sperm olive man. Cum. I mean, it's there's some in there, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Well, it's all it's silly. Pretty wild. It's all it si- it's it's funny too because I want so badly to just be like, this is nice. What an environmentalist! But then all of it, it just wrapped into one. It's like what a fucking what a this is the silliest context in which I've ever read something that was progressive. You know what I mean? Which is really <laughs> like, saying something when you think which about is it. really fucking saying something. It's like at the end of the day, this is this is being put out there as a progressive message. And it's like this king is so for the people that he is instead of having oil from a well and a civet cat is going to have olives taken to Jesus's house. You know? Yeah. I bet they <laughs> always did the Jesus olive thing, though. I bet. I don't they know. Just, it wasn't olive oil before. No, did it say that? Yeah, what? it wasn't. It didn't used to be olive oil. I think that I feel like they probably did the olive thing always. Oh right, it was always added, it was in there. They just also added whale stuff to it. Yeah, you're probably uh, now they're right. Not. Um, it would be uh, wild to just now start including Jesus in it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm sure they always had Jesus olives. Uh, it reminds me of what time I went to this. Um, I took a work trip to Seattle at my old day job, and it was there was a bunch of like get kids just out of college. I was one of them who had started working for the DOE around the same time, and a few of us were on this same trip. And we're all kind of like, you know, we're not well traveled or any of this yeah, shit. We're all kind of like still idiots. Yeah, exactly. And we went to this sort of nice restaurant in Seattle, and uh, one of the guys, Richard, they brought him the wine list out, right? And you know, <laughs> we're showing it to him, and. uh and at the bottom, there was the most expensive bottle of wine, which at this place, and you know, like with, with some, this isn't really that crazy for $58. No, no, it was $3,500, but I'm saying oh, like, shit. yeah, right. But I'm saying like in like a fucking Michelin star place, they probably got 40 grand bottles of wine. Oh, and for shit sure. Like that. But either way, I mean, I thought it was crazy too, but so Richard looks at it and at the very bottom of the most expensive bottle is 35 dollars and he goes or thirty five hundred dollars and he goes did jesus crush these grapes <laughs> but apparently jesus is more of an olive oil guy and a wine yeah. guy. he don't need to crush grapes because he can just do the he thing. can just turn Which, let's talk drunks why not we need to Although, look up slurs in all the other languages yeah i remember once for well-read podcast i think i looked up like all the different slurs of white people and like i was yeah. like all the different types of white people you know because i thought that yeah. would be fun yeah. And it's like, I don't know if it's just being immune to it because yep. of whiteness or what, that but you it's didn't like care. none of them were really that great. I thought we'd it's, get some good, you know. Uh, cracker's hard to beat. Right. But it's just Honky. like. But there was also, I'm talking like slurs for Scottish people, slurs for fucking yeah. the French and whoever else. And most of them, you know, like frogs or whatever. And like, I was thinking, we'll find some good ones in there. 
And it's not that none of them were good. It's just, uh, you know, we're clearly better at making them up than other people. We're just like, it's like, who, who's the, like Louie, another, you know, another true hero, like Gerard Depierre do Louis CK had that bit about, uh, <laughs> it wasn't it him. It's like, uh, that whole thing is like, ah, oh, cracker is like, ah, Ruin oh the day. yeah, and ruin my day. Oh, you brought me back to thinking about owning land and people. Oh yeah. man, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, horrible right. time. So let's talk about some drunks. Why not? Like I said, uh, now that I think about it, the French, seem a little underrepresented on this list to me. Most of these are going to be people you've heard of, and also I've got a bunch of different people to talk about, so we'll go through them fairly quickly. Some of the f- most famous fancy people that have been uh, just absolute drunks cho like who comes to mind i bet you they're on this fancy list. fancy drunks fancy i mean i would winston people, churchill yes right he's um, on here winston churchill who uh drank like some sort of wine a dry white wine every day for breakfast and then throughout the morning he drank what was called his papa cocktail which was just yeah. johnny walker scotch heavily diluted with water he yep. got he once got hit by a car, right? And, you know, probably <laughs> fucked the car up pretty bad, too. But while he was convalescing, <laughs> while he was convalescing, his doctor prescribed him booze. His doctor said his convalescence necessitates the use of alcoholic spirits, especially <laughs> at mealtimes. So it's very important that he have <laughs> his whiskey with his goose. All right. If he don't get <laughs> he don't get his whiskey with his goose and pheasant, he then can't even we're gonna it. lose the goddamn war. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Give that motherfucker his whiskey. Right. Uh... And uh he's a, like a legendary drinker, obviously. And a lot of people say though that like and I, I, a lot of alcohol functioning alcoholics are kind of like this, that he was he usually wasn't ever like hammered visibly hammered yeah he was just always sort of riding a buzz basically yeah. all the time and he did that functioning alcoholics they learn how to like the thing is is that they're not addicted to being drunk they're just addicted to alcohol so they just they have to have a little bit in them at all times but you know in order to be now don't get me wrong there's plenty of people who are fall over drunk all the time too but obviously, if you if there's a powerful functioning alcoholic, they have to be able to function. So they're just like, let me get to this. Let me get to a place. And then every 45 minutes, I have the exact sip that will get me back to that place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, keeping with like uh, wartime leaders who were hammered. Ulysses S. Grant. Big oh, drunk, yeah. Uh, was such a big drunk that he actually had resigned from the army in 1854 uh, because they were about to try him for being too much under the influence of liquor to properly perform his duties. So Ulysses Grant drunk his way out of the U.S. military before the Civil War. But when the Civil War started, he's like, oh, shit, it's really going down now. So he came back. And today, some historians argue that, quote, or that his, uh, that his drinking, quote, made him the great military leader president Lincoln yeah. so desperately needed in that time because his drinking he wasn't allowed thinking him too to much brush aside caution and yep. had, he had absolutely nothing to lose. So it's just like, he's got so drunk. He didn't give a fuck. And yeah. it's just like, fuck him charge, you know, and like, <laughs> it, either that, and it, either and it that, <laughs> either that, or, he was so drunk that that's the reason it took the United States Army so long to defeat a bunch of hillbillies. 
Right. You know, you could look at it either way. Like if he wasn't so yeah. drunk, maybe the war wouldn't have lasted five years. But I, but I hear you. Another uh, political leader, I'm not surprising at all. I feel like even as a kid, I knew this. Boris Yeltsin, huge oh, yeah. drunk from Russia. I, what you do you know? You know I, somebody? Just I remember. I re, no no no. I just remember like Boris Yeltsin was one of the first like foreign leaders that I knew of because like yeah. he was he was very popular during the Clinton administration and that's when I first started to like not like actively watch the news but like that's when I clicked on to be alive you know and just started seeing stuff and like I remember seeing him and knowing as a kid that guy looks like he could drink <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean and I didn't know shit about Russians so uh, I mean, I agree. I feel like I felt the same way about Boris. Just, dude, his name sounds drunk. His Boris nose Yeltsin. is <laughs> Yeah, he got the Jim Blossom nose, all that stuff. Uh, in 1994, he was at some function in Berlin with a bunch of other world leaders, and they had a classical orchestra there, and he was hammered, and they wasn't hitting for him. So he just uh, got up, ran up there, and took the baton out of the hand of the conductor and started <laughs> conducting the orchestra himself, despite having no training or wherewithal whatsoever to do that. Had no idea what he was doing, right? He was just like, these motherfuckers, that ain't it. I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll make them hit. I'll show you how to do it, you know, and then, then fucking just... And I'm sure uh, that probably didn't hit for people, but um, <laughs> what are you going to do? But he said that the weight would lift after a few shot glasses. And in that sense of lightness, I felt as if I could conduct an orchestra. Corey, you've been there. You played the piano, <laughs> right? I, I did, apparently, when I was blackout. And my friends still to this day, they tell me, they're like, dude, I know that you know how to play piano, which I don't. And the, I have some friends that refuse to believe me that I can't play. But what I was about to say was I, I'm also the type of person who, if I was drunk enough, would be convinced that I could go lead the Philharmonic if somebody would let me. Right. Yeah, I totally buy that. Um, one other story about Boris Yeltsin on a diplomatic visit to D.C. in 1995. He was staying at this fancy hotel, but the Secret Service found him hammered drunk in his underwear trying to hail a cab on Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> when? Like in, you know, late at night, like midnight, 1 a.m., something like uh, that. No, no, no. I mean like 1995. 1995. <laughs> and uh, when they asked him what he was doing, he, he said uh, he really wanted a pizza. <laughs> we don't you have them fucking, in russia no yes want to try american pizza but like dude look you don't have to be super hammered to really really badly want a pizza we've all been for there. sure but to go outside like <laughs> in your underwear as the president of russia you know like you got to be pretty hammered to pull some shit <laughs> like that i feel like Oh God, Jesus another one, Christ! Another one we all know about. We've actually covered him. A very classic clip of his on here before. Orson Welles, uh, big drunk. For people that have been uh, airheads for a minute, you might recall that we watched the classic uh, wine commercial that he did later <laughs> in his life. Like, oh, oh, the French thanks. champagne has <laughs> always been renowned for its excellence. And he just sits and he's like, is, is he going to do anything? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that extra who's standing there. He's like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? 
Ain't you gonna fucking act? We're professional. Yeah. Piece of shit. Orson, Orson Welles is, he might be like our most, I don't know if he's our best, you think he's our best American drunk in terms of like also being like respected and fancy? Like, is he our export? I don't know about fancy, but I got another one for you that definitely fits that description in terms of like artistic output and level of respect while also being an absolutely massive lush. And that's uh, Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway. Oh, yeah. Never mind. He's the one. Yeah. He's the one. But, but I'd say Orson Welles is up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it said even when he was a young man, his supper would routinely be two steaks, each with a baked potato. An entire pineapple, which I don't know how... This is Orson? His, yeah, Orson. I, I don't know how his mouth withstood the, an entire <laughs> pineapple. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, pineapple pretty... starts to make your shit sore after a minute. Yeah. I know. It does, but it hurts so motherfucker. good. Oh, I mean, I love pineapple, dude. So, two steaks, two baked potatoes, an entire pineapple, triple pistachio ice cream, and a bottle up. of scotch. Yeah. That was oh his... God. Uh, that is not the drink for after all that. I think it was before, during, and after. That's and just after, his, right. That's just his... Dude, uh, them motherfuckers that drink scotch, though, like, they're a different... Like, I can't even wrap my head around them because, like, every time I've ever... Scotch and cigars are very similar to me in that they're the two things that I've most pretended to like while in the company of others who did like them, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I've every time I'm drinking scotch, with every sip, I go, I cannot wait until this is over and I can get a Bud Light. I can't fucking wait. And the people who love it, they're, they don't feel that way. They're not suffering through it. They fucking I, love that shit. I don't hate scotch. You know, we took like the distillery tour and the scotch classes and stuff when we were in Scotland. And like, I still don't prefer it, but like, you know, it, it's I mean, I've had like some, in, it's a okay. situa in a situation like that, like in a win in Rome situation, I can drink some and actually genuinely enjoy it. Uh, but I would never Maybe. like opt for that. Uh, I think own. that's my thing is choosing it. It's not ever going to be a thing. Never will it be a thing that I choose. Like when we were in uh, Scotland doing the whole thing, I appreciated the vibe that it certainly fit into. You know, it felt right. But like if <laughs> I just would never be like, I'm going to go for a scotch, like never or a cigar. But I had a cigar two weeks ago. And suffered through the whole goddamn thing because one of my buddies offered it to me on the golf course and I didn't want to look like a pussy. So I was just sat there and hated it. Yeah, but uh, with Hemingway, fellow author George Plimpton claimed that in the 50s, uh, you could see Hemingway's, like, the you could see the bulge of Hemingway's liver. Like, oh, my God. Poking out. And, Ooh, you know, who knows if that's bullshit that or not. But either way, like... He's certainly drunk enough to do that. People that knew Hemingway, though, said that, like, he hit more when he was drunk. You know, imagine that. Said well, that, like, yeah. when he wasn't drunk, he was very morose, silent, and depressed. Right. Kind of, kind of a bummer. But you when mean hungover? When he was drunk, which most of the time, he was merrier, more lovable, and more bullshitty. Yeah, and those are the type of dudes that you don't want to get a handle on their problems. You know what I mean? Like, I've noticed that um, the only time, like, I've got some friends who are, sincerely alcoholics but they are always in a good mood so nobody ever points it out as a problem <laughs> at all and then i've got people who are kind of less alcoholics than them but they're mean when they're drunk so that immediately yeah. gets nipped in the bud you know what i mean yeah absolutely um 
Richard Nixon was a big drinker. Uh, his thing was he only drank at night, but he would get fucking blitzed every single night to the point that like a lot of the people in his cabinet and stuff used to openly wonder like what would happen if the Russians attacked us in the nighttime right. because because the president is going to be completely worthless because he's so drunk. He got so drunk one time that he told Henry Kissinger that uh, we're going to have to nuke Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> He got so drunk he tried to nuke Nam, which isn't really that surprising. Uh, it's wild that like Henry Kissinger being the voice of reason, voice of reason, know, yeah. In that scenario, um, Vincent Van Gogh was a big drunk. His drink of choice yeah. was absinthe, which is wild. Yeah. Checks you know, out. It does check out. It very much checks out. But he was so fucked up. That's back when it was. That was what it did. Was did right. It, it, it was all like that. A, yeah, hallucinogenic and shit too. Yeah. I don't know. Uh. But he like he would get drunk like he had his friends had to stop him from drinking turpentine, uh, <laughs> like because rest in peace, Keith, how, Whitley, Keith Whitley. Right, is that what he did? He it wasn't turpentine, but so famously, Lori Morgan when they were married, she uh used he had such a bad drinking problem that she would handcuff them together in the bed or she would handcuff herself to him so he couldn't get up in the middle of the night to go get a drink. But what he started doing was drinking her perfume <laughs> that was on the night table stand. That's why but and, I also picture Keith Whitley just like dragging a woman down the hallway <laughs> yeah. to the whiskey bottle. You know what I mean? Get your yeah. ass over here. <laughs> yeah but he would Let's drink he would drink, yeah. Yeah, right. but no he would drink her perfume and then when he died his brother came in to pick him up for golf and he was laid out amongst a bunch of bottles of rubbing alcohol good lord dude yeah i mean that's what i heard like, like was he sequestered somewhere do you know what i mean like where he did they didn't get I think what it was was that they'd taken it all out of the house and he was trying to be straight, you know, and then maybe he didn't have his car. He'd probably had some, I, I don't know the details on that, but like pretty sure it was just like, yeah, he didn't have access to regular alcohol and he was like, I need a drink right now. And then he would go start drinking fucking potpourri and, and fucking, yeah, that's a sad, the sad part of alcohol right there. Yeah. There's lots of sad parts. Uh, I got a sort of metal part for you. This is from, George Gordon Lord Byron, uh, who oh, that ironic, guy. do what? I, I love that guy. I, I I did too. I was actually about to say when I was like you know like in my like college student and even way more pretentious than I am now. I was a big Lord Byron fan. He was one of my guys. Uh, <laughs> and saying that unironically, he always hit for me. But I didn't know this no, about him. So he, he was a huge. He was big drunk. He preferred to drink. Out of his favorite cup, his favorite drinking cup, which was fashioned from a human skull. All right. Nice. And I'm going to say what I think is funny about this when I get to the end of it. And also, I hope this doesn't run over long for people. But him being Lord Byron, he engraved a poem that he wrote onto his skull cup. Right. Gangster. Yes. And I'm going to read the poem. Okay. So start not nor deem my spirit fled. In me behold the only skull from which, unlike a living head, whatever flows is never dull. I lived, I loved, I quaffed like thee. I died, let earth my bones resign. Fill up, thou cannot injure me. The worm hath fouler lips than thine. 
right? So first thing he's saying, like, hey, this is the only skull that never has dumb shit come out of it. Only something that hits, which is my wine that I drank, right? That's right. And then in the second part, he's like, don't worry about it. I'd rather be here getting you drunk than have worms all up in my shit. That don't (laughs) hit. That don't hit. And then he continues, better to hold the sparkling grape than nurse the earthworm's slimy brood and circle in the goblet shape the drink of gods than reptiles' food. How big was Uh, this fucking skull? I know. I was just thinking that when I started reading this. I hadn't thought about it before until I started reading this. I was like, he had to engrave real small or go around the whole thing. Yeah, or right. Skulls are probably, I mean, if it could have been, if it's your skull, it's he could fit it on. Yeah, there. right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, That's more gangster than I thought because I thought you meant he just got one of his old poems written on it. I didn't know no. that he actually commissioned a new poem from himself for the skull. There's a couple more. He just goes on about how, you know, it, so like he's like, uh, where once my wits were at, now my brains are gone, but what better substitute than wine, you know? And then mm-hmm. at the end, he's like, why not, since through life's little day, our heads such sad effects produce? Redeemed from worms and wasting clay, this chance is theirs to be of use, right? So, like, what I think is funny about this is, like, the whole point of this poem is Lord Byron being like, no, I'd hit for this dude for me to drink <laughs> yeah, wine from his right. skull. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, like, he don't know that. You know what I mean? He don't right. fucking know that that guy's on board with it. But he wrote a whole poem, a whole poem where he speaks for this man, saying, <laughs> "I really, really love it that you're drinking wine from my skull. Thank you so much <laughs> for removing me from the worms and getting drunk out of me, because that's exactly what I would have wanted." And you just see Lord uh, Byron like pointing at it, and be like, "See, it hits for him." You know? Yeah. Like, like you. You wrote that. You wrote that. Right. Right. But I, you know, know, I know. I like to think that someone, he, it wasn't engraved at first. And someone was like, don't you think that's a wee bit disrespectful drinking out of the skull? And instead of just going like, I don't know, that's how Lord Byron has to retort to somebody. He writes a whole fucking poem justifying his shit, which I, which I, I can definitely, uh, sympathize with because I have done so many hurdles in my life to make something not my fault that I could see me engraving something on a skull. Yeah. All right. Moving through the rest of these a little more quickly, just a couple more really quick ones. You might've even said this when you talked about Cleopatra, Cleopatra reportedly bathed in wine, uh, mm-hmm. which I is, thought it was milk, uh, milk wine, milk wine, I guess. I don't know. Both. Maybe it was both. It's both. Yeah. Uh, William, the conqueror, got so fat later in his life <laughs> that he decided to start an all alcohol diet. Like, like, you know, people say like, Oh, I'm on a liquid diet. So like yeah, right. he stopped eating food. He was like, I'm too yeah. fat. I'm gonna stop eating food and just get drunk. Right. Yeah. Shortly after that, he fell off his horse and died. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, from not having, not just you'll being have weak. That. Yeah, yeah, dude, you're fucking not eating and just getting plowed all the time. Like you're not be on a horse, especially if you're dude, big, you fat can... fuck, big fat drunk fuck on a horse. That's a recipe for disaster, I... king or not. When I was in my teens, I did it for like three days straight, maybe. But then now, like, dude, no, nah, I gotta have a sandwich. There was another guy from like not ancient history, but like the Middle Ages, like the 1500s. He was the Sultan of Turkey, right? His name was Selim the <laughs> Second. Okay. 
Salim's dad was Salim the first, right? And they called his dad Salim the Sublime, right? Sultan Salim the Sublime. So this dude really name. hit for the people, okay? Yeah. So Salim the second has got really big shoes to fill, right? You know what Salim the second ended up being called? Salim the drunk. Sultan Salim the sot is what they <laughs> called. <laughs> and he... He died by being hammered drunk, naked, trying to walk to take a bath and slipping on the wet marble and busting his head open. So would have like, it that way. Pretty big disappointment. But it's just funny yeah. to think of like a fail son. You know, your daddy is Salim the Sublime. And they're like, let's see how you follow that up. And then you become the sot. Like, you know, a tale I'm is so old as time, really. Foreshadowing, but uh, there's all, in the segment that I'm going to talk about later. There's also two back-to-back -back names that you're going to love so much. Okay, well I can't wait. So let's now transition into uh, trash drinking. I got the Venn diagram thing. I've got the overlap, the the transition point where the Venn diagrams meet between fancy and trash. We're getting drunk. A feller by the name of uh, Diogenes, an ancient philosopher. He was a hobo philosopher. I think he came up once before. He philosophized to hobos or about hobos or was he a hobo? Was, he just was a hobo and a philosopher. He was one of the founders okay. of the philosophy of cynicism. He taught cynicism. <laughs> yeah, I bet he was. Yeah. He taught he didn't cynicism. Have a fucking house. But he did that on purpose. He like lived in poverty right. on purpose. He lived in a big barrel in the middle of town. He just lay <laughs> drunk in a barrel all day. And people were like, that's some bitch is thinking, you know? It's always been funny to me. This dude's always fascinated me because like people had all this respect for him. They're like, that guy, that guy's really on another level, but he's just like yeah. laying half naked and drunk in a barrel all day. <laughs> and I feel like you wouldn't have that anymore. You know, no. like, this guy got away with it. But uh, also what's wild about him is none of his, uh, none of his, recordings have or not yeah. writings none of his writings have survived it's just like stories about him from other philosophers so it's just like he's like a folk legend basically but he was a real yeah. dude but he taught cynicism to this dude crates or crates and then crates taught it to Boisino. <laughs> it ain't crates <laughs> yeah well it looks like crates <laughs> this guy lived in a barrel and this motherfucker's name is crates <laughs> but crates <laughs> Taught it to your boy Zeno, who fashioned it into Stoicism, one of the most enduring schools of Greek philosophy. So Zeno got a lot of what he knew from Diogenes, the hobo philosopher. So he just laid around town every now and then. He'd walk around town doing shit like he'd walk out in the middle of the day holding up a lit lantern. And they're like, Diogenes, what you doing over there? And he'd say, I'm looking for an honest man, you know. <laughs> Which, like, back then, back then at that, that point, is... they were like, damn, he's really thinking, dude. That's some bitch. Yeah is thinking uh but he's also a like pretentious of, fuck too yeah right so uh one of the more famous things about him uh well he also he would like to he you know he Poop pooped in the he pooped in it. the theater in the theater specifically <laughs> i knew you were gonna say poop though he pooped in the theater he jacked off in public a lot right gg allen did all that I know I'm saying, and, and everybody was just like, this dude, this dude gets it, which is just wild to me. That's how ancient Greece was. But um, so he had a, he actually interacted once with Alexander the Great. When Alexander the Great came through town, right, on his conquest and shit, he heard the legend of this Diogenes guy. 
So he goes up to find him. It's the middle of the day. Diogenes is laid out drunk in the street. Alexander the Great stands over him and says, like, uh, you know, like, behold, I am Alexander. I have heard many great things of Diogenes, and I wanted to say, if there's anything I can do for you, just speak it now and let it be done, right? And Diogenes goes, yeah, you can get out of my light, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then... Which prompted Alexander, this is one of those things we talked about before where it's like, none of this probably happened, but this Hell is like the no. recorded story. But that then prompted Alexander to say, if I were not Alexander, I would choose to be Diogenes, right? Like, so I forget, like, even Alexander the Great was like, this motherfucker here, he's something else, buddy, right? And then there's another story that when Alexander was there, like later in the day, Diogenes went and stood by a big pile of bones because they had those back then, you know, fucking ancient Greece. <laughs> Just piles of bones all over the place, right? You know, it's just how it was. Just lousy with bones. Bones. So Diogenes is standing by a bone pile looking at it. And Alexander walks up and he's like, what you doing, Diogenes? And he goes, I'm searching for the bones of your father. Behold, for they are indistinguishable from those of a slave. Oh, that's pretty good. It is good, good, right? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm finally on board with this guy. Everybody's yeah. just like, oh, shit. shit. This motherfucker oh, be shit. thinking. Yeah. Uh, Motherfuckers in the back just, he don't miss. He don't yeah. miss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So using Diogenes to transition into talking about trash, drunks. Let's talk about some of the things trash people use to get drunk. What was your uh, go-to when you were younger? Child? What age? Um, like so, teenager, early 20s. Like when you didn't have, you know, any money. Uh, so there was a beer called Southpaw. Are you familiar yeah. with Southpaw? Uh, yeah, we had Southpaw. Yeah, I'm, so I had South- forgotten all about Southpaw, but I do remember it now. So Southpaw at one point was like, I want to say sincerely six ninety nine or seven ninety nine for an eighteen pack, which was like fucking real cheap. And what was great about Southpaw is like not many people had it. And it kind it was in a green bottle, and it kind of looked like an indie beer because not a lot of people had like ever seen it. So I could like get this, and then I'd go to a party and be drinking it, and and I was just like, oh look, that Southpaw, that's really cool. But also nobody would like fuck with it, you know what I mean? Like nobody, everybody would be like, I don't know what this is. That's clearly Corey's beer, you know what I'm saying? So like Southpaw was a big one. Also, Steel Reserve <laughs> was yeah, really yeah, big yeah. for us. Matter of fact, uh, my fake ID's birthday was February 11th because still reserved 211 and we celebrated 211 day every year. Um, but other than that, just whatever we could get our hands on, like Keystone, you know, they came, they were the first ones to do the 30 rack. So like Keystone yep. was big, anything ice because it was more alcohol, you know, those were the jams. Yeah. First, first alcohol I ever drank ever was King Cobra malt liquor. Oh yeah. Did not hit for me. Uh, oh my god! Me and Thompson's go-to used to be Natty Ice. Yep, Natty. That's the first bro, beer I got drunk on. Shit, was trouble, son. Oh, so yeah. awful. Would get you drunk. Lord, so it would drunk. get you drunk. And uh, you know, then there's like Bones Farm and fucking uh, Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. Yeah, Bones Farm. We used to have the Bones Challenge. You have the Bones Challenge? No. Uh, it's very simple. You go get a few <laughs> things. Know Bones what it Farm. Is. 
You go get a few things at Bones Farm. It also involves driving drunk or driving and drinking. Yeah, that yeah, was a major yeah, pastime yeah, 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 back yeah. then. It was a different time, y'all. I don't know what to tell you. You go and get a bunch of Bones Farm, and you got to finish one before you get back to, you know, of the course. house or whatever from the liquor store. Yeah, did, that was did the Bones you challenge? That's it. That's so, the whole thing. so when I uh, when I was first starting drinking too, my a lot of my buddies who were my age had older sisters. So they like we would get their booze sometimes, and I think the like female version of Mad Dog and Boone's Farm was Arbor Mist. Do you remember yeah, Arbor yeah. Mist? Yeah, dude, you talk about getting sick drunk. Like it's it's sugar wine. Like it's just fucking sugar wine. And we used to we didn't it we didn't call it a challenge, but we would definitely chug a bottle of Arbor Mist. Yeah, it's uh, also about Everclear, pure grain alcohol. Woo! Or fuck yep. with that. That's the shit that we drank at school. Um, my <laughs> buddy, because it was clear, so people would put it in water bottles and stuff, you know. And so, like, I remember the first the first time I ever drank it, it was somebody brought it to school, and they were like, "I was like, what is this?" And it was clear, and I was like, "Oh, is that vodka?" And they were like, "No, it's Everclear." And I was like, "What's Everclear?" And they 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 said it's PGA, and I'm like, "You're not helping me. Like, yeah. tell me what the fuck." They go, P "PGA means pure grain alcohol." This ain't anything except alcohol. That's all this is, is alcohol. And I mean, dude, one sip of Everclear to a 14-year-old, you blackout puking. I used to mix, not routinely, but like when I was really wanting to throw down, and every time I'd both throw down and up, and it would be a disaster. So I don't know why I did this multiple times, but I would mix fucking Everclear, Gatorade, and Ooh. like energy drinks. Like, uh, oh, my like, God. Uh, that's a I four loco, bitch. That's what you did. Called, yeah, Vipers. Was, yeah, uh, I think Viper Energy Drink. I think was the ones I was using yeah. at the time. But yeah, dude, that shit was gnarly. This is how I, I know you're. I had that in a Camelback the first time, first night of oh. first Bonnaroo I ever went to. Oh, I bet it was and, warm. And I no, I've had a bunch of ice in there too. I mean, it was okay. hitting, but like I don't remember anything about it. In my, it, of course not. They had to carry me back. I don't remember any of the shows. I know the night ended with Zach Brown band. Everybody said it was great. Everybody said I was having a fucking awesome time, but I don't. I miss Zach Brown too. Any one time. of it, and yeah. I had to. Yeah, and I yeah, my body didn't miss it. My body was hitting at Zach Brown, but my brain totally missed it, and they had to drag me back to the tent that night. Uh, and that was a, a nice lesson to learn about Bonnaroo in that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Can't be doing That's that true. On, on first night. On my senior trip, we. Um, mixed everclear and fanta like we would drink half the fanta out of the little bottle and then pour the everclear in it and i got one of those little cocktails and i got in the hot tub and what i didn't realize was that like i had i was holding my drink in the hot tub right so it was just boiling it it was just boiling yeah. my drink and then i went and took a big old chug of boiling hot orange fanta everclear and it's the most immediate sick i've ever got from drunk you know what i mean like usually it's like you drink all night and then later you're sick it's the most like single serving of alcohol that immediately made me projectile vomit and miss the rest of the fucking evening it was horrible yeah that's pretty rough and then i, was, I feel like the one of the kings of cheap drunks has got to be box wine like Franzia, oh yeah box yes, wine sir. big fan Red. to this day love me some box wine Matter They've fact, got may, nice may ones now. Sipping on a little bit of box wine right now. Yeah, this is a black box. Uh, Boda, you know. the Boda box, right? No, no. There's Boda. 
There's Boda and then there's Black Box. There's Boda Box and there's oh, Black Box. Black, yes, yes, you're right. But like, I feel like uh, that's what it was. Franzia, whenever we were in our like teens and early twenties, and it was purely to get drunk. And then like these companies were like, we want to keep these customers into their thirties, and so they came up with this is the Black Box. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where it's like, no, no, no. You don't understand. It's just as good as the regular wine. It's in a black box. It's super nice. Yeah, I've been hammered on those. Me and you have you, a lot. Yeah, we have hit summits. Yeah, mm-hmm. those 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 black boxes, those box wines fueled a lot of hit summits that we had. And people don't know hit summits just where we drink wine in a hotel room and talk about how much we hit until four in the yeah. morning. Yeah, can, can I give y'all you and everyone else a tip on why you should bring box wine to? This is normally if you're at a field party, right? Where like bedding is going to be scarce do you know why you should bring boxed wine to the party i've never done or thought of this but do you blow up the bag and use it as a pillar how about that exactly right you finish off the bag blow it up seal it off and you got a pillow that's pretty ingenious cho well -hmm. unless you've got i didn't make it up uh, i heard it from a big old fat girl but i appreciate her yeah they know their box wine stuff uh Unless you got anything you want to regale us with on the subject of trash drinking, that's all I got. Well, I would just like to say uh, that, you know, it's meant a lot to me. I've done, and I, I think I'm about to contradict myself here because on podcasts of past, I have talked about how I have in recent times um, sort of foregone the dive bar and being drunk in a field aspect of my life. And and I like more now the mahogany walls and the leather couch, nice bar drinking uh, parts of my life. But I, I will tell you this. It really, it's just because I don't have the energy to trash drink anymore. But I will tell you, I have done an, a pretty, especially since our comedy tour has been going on for seven years now. And we had a little bit of money and we've been to nice places and nice cities. I may have done an equal amount of nice drinking fancy drinking versus trash drinking and i can tell you right now with pure honesty that nothing beats trash drinking at all it is where my heart is it's more fun it's about family it's about uh it's about being there for people and uh at the end of the day it's about taking uh taking a moment to go this world sucks and we don't have a lot of money but if we all put our money together we can get 30 of these beers and we can sit around that fire and Bear can play something on the guitar. And that's special. And I will always have yeah. a place in my heart for trash drunk. Me too. The only other thing I'll add to that, since it hasn't been said yet, is I love dive bars and all that shit too. But for my money, then I'll go to the grave believing the number one venue for trash drinking for me is and will always be on the goddamn lake. Dale Hollow Lake. Oh, yeah. 100%. But you your throat getting trash drunk on the fucking lake that's my shit that's my that's my uh special place or whatever the fuck scientifically scientifically there's something about the lake water and the humidity while you're on the lake that actually makes your throat half an inch larger yeah. and makes the beer shoot down it and if you put on an old 90s country playlist it can go upwards to two inches larger that's that's all scientifically uh backed up i know it i've seen the studies mm-hmm. they're peer-reviewed and everything me and my peers reviewed the shit out of that but uh <laughs> and another th- another interesting phenomenon that happens with lake drunk and in my experience is like you own a boat or whatever drinking and you're going hard and you're like hell i'm fine i'm having a good time you step yeah. on to solid Ooh. land and all okay. of a sudden, you're like, "Whoa!" You talk the fucking yep. drunk truck comes through, 
and yep. lays your ass out, and you realize you're way more hammered than you thought you was, which is also and a, then a fun experience. and and then you go take a three hour hard that nap when you're both drunk and sunburnt and you're hit you, yeah. like the the, the, the yeah. sheets are like it it hurts at first but then it's a cooling sensation mm-hmm. and you sleep harder than you've ever slept in your life get up go get some lake food and then fucking do it again it's it's a it's a miracle of god hell yeah brother all right well let's uh let's do history of professor cho right after this this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at BetterHelp.com slash POA and get on the way to being your best self. Guys, listen, I don't know that any of us are our best selves. Trying to become your best self is a lifelong process. That's what all them monks are up to. It's not easy. If it was easy, we'd all be doing it. You need help to get to know yourself. It can take forever because we're always growing and changing. I'm in my mid to late 30s now, and I'm finding that I'm a – very different guy than I was in my mid to late 20s, let alone my teens. And I know that happens to all of us. And that's why therapy is so crucial. Therapy is about deepening your self-awareness and your understanding, right? Because sometimes we don't even know what we want or why we react the way we do till we have someone to talk through things with. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you happen to be right now. Cho, you've had a wonderful experience with it. I did. I had a great experience with it. Uh, it, You know, I I had gone pretty much my whole life being a Southern male, uh, going by the uh, suck it up method. That's very, very popular. And then finally, I just heard enough people talking about, you know, hey, dude, it's easier than ever to do this. You can do it online. So I signed up with BetterHelp. I was very lucky. You can, you know, uh, shop around and find the therapist right for you. I was lucky to get it uh, right on the money. And what was very uh, good about it was I was able to find somebody who was also a male from Georgia, had a similar background than me, as me, sounded like me. So we were able to connect. And it was really great. Uh, and it's probably, I, I would, it's up there with the top three best decisions that I ever made. In my life, it sounds cliche, but there's there's so many uh, tools that they can teach you that you you think would be like, oh, that's common knowledge. But sometimes you just need to be reminded and you really need to take care, take care of your uh, head. I've been a lot better person since I started taking care of my head. So uh, give them that promo code, Trace, so they can get their head fixed like me. If you want to get your head fixed like Corey, give BetterHelp a try, guys. It's entirely online, which means it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do, which I just did earlier today, just so you all know, is fill out a brief questionnaire. It's very easy. You'll get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional cost. So it's time to discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash POA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash P-O-A. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Y'all, let's talk about subscriptions. I got a million of them. You got a million of them. We all got a million of them. Maybe a million and one. Who knows? Try it free for 30 days. That's enough time for you to try it. And then completely forget that you tried it. Now you got a whole new subscription service. You don't even remember that you have. Before you know it, you're paying for a subscription you don't use. And you're paying that every single month. It happens to us all. The system is built to do that to us. Well, with Rocket Money, you can change that with just a few quick taps. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forget about, like a streaming service you bought just to watch one show on or that free trial that you never even used and they started charging you. 
Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth, clicking confirm five times over again. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as one click of a button. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Cho, you save some money with this Rocket Money. Save more than that. I also save my marriage tray. So you know that we're about to have a kid. And because of that, we're doing the old normal tightening of the belt because we know there's going to be more expenses coming up. And my wife suggested that maybe I should give up my golf membership. And I was like, no, 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 baby, you don't understand. I need that. And she said, well, the only way that you can keep it is if you come up with the money some other way. We got to stop paying for something else. Got on Rocket Money. And it more than paid for my golf membership every month just in, like, Swedish TiVo stuff that I was never going to use again. So think about it that way. If there's something out there that you're like, oh, I'd love it, but I can't afford the monthly payment, you actually might be able to if you just took $5 away from here and there every now and then. And our friends at Rocket Money can help you do that. So stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash POA. That's Rocket rocketmoney.com slash POA rocketmoney.com slash POA all right we're back y'all it's time once again with his for history with professor cho on the subject of the cadaver synod yeah that's the cadaver synod, correct, my friend? You got any guesses? No, don't have a clue. It, is it is it S Y N O D? Is it synod or is it synod? S Y N O D. It's yeah. it's synod or synod. I've heard it pronounced two different ways. I'm going with synod just because that's how I would say it. Is that a Jewish but thing? S Y N O D. Um, it's a church thing. Church thing. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it, dude. I don't. Know. I, I, I mean, I know what a cadaver is. And I had a vague idea that Synod yeah. was somehow religious related, but no, I've never heard of this. This is fancy. So I've been to. Uh, it's about popes and uh, and oh, stuff. Okay. So I think so. Yes. Yeah, I I, I count it because we've we've mentioned several times that it's okay to talk about popes because like they're the fanciest church people there are. Is the Synod the thing that elects the pope? No, um, I don't think so. I don't think so, but it's definitely not. It's not in this regard. Um, okay. How they how they come to the papacy? I don't know of any other word for it aside from that they elect the pope. Yeah, I, I've I been debating. Is, I think there is a word whether, for that, but I don't know what it is. It's not synod um, because synod in this regard means trial. It's because this is the cadaver synod or the cadaver trial, and I've been debating back and forth on how far I want to bury the lead on this. But I'm just going to I'm just going to give it to you as I think I should. I don't want to be too much of a dickhead. So the cadaver cadaver synod is the name for the ecclesiastical trial. Ecclesi ecclesiastical, by the way, means uh, relating to yeah. the Christian church or its yeah. clergy. Yeah. So the cadaver synod is the uh, ecclesiastical trial of Pope Formosus, who at the time of his trial had been dead for seven months. 
Yeah. Okay. That checks out. Well, hey, that don't mean his soul didn't do that shit. All right. <laughs> but, but it is what you would think that like these people above anybody would be like, you know, you talk about only God, God can him. judge me. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I get them being like, well, look, his body may be dead, but his spirit's got to pay for this shit. But I would think they would be like, yeah, that's what God's for. Like, are they trying to prove it to God? <laughs> like presenting the case to God? I don't, I don't understand. That was the argument that most sane people made. Uh, but there was one feller in particular, and we'll get to him later, who just wasn't having any of it. So all this was going on at a very dark time. This is in uh, this is in eight between. Listen to this between eight seventy two and nine sixty five. So this is a long time ago. Between yeah. eight seventy between eight seventy two and nine sixty five, there were two dozen popes anointed because all of them kept dying under mysterious circumstances, which Mm. like, you know, having a bunch of popes die kind of makes sense because they're, this was the past where everybody died all the time. Right. And also Pope and popes don't even, you don't even get to be Pope until you're on your way out anyways. You know what I mean? Like there's no young popes. That's not how that shit works. Even back then. Because back then, like you said, people died so relatively young and they were old relatively. Yeah. Yeah. Like 42. In order order to, (laughs) in order to, yeah, exactly. But like, cause like in order to be like the unanimously elected Pope, you have had to have been archbishop at somewhere for so long. So like who, like, yeah, they all died at 42 then, but like whoever the oldest person you could be, that's how old the popes were, you know? Yeah. So there's a, a lot of instability going on in Italy politically and in the clergy. And like I said, all of them kept dying under mysterious circumstances. A lot of them thought to have been poisoned. One of them, this doesn't have anything to do with the, uh, with the cadaver synod, but I just found it interesting. One of them died because, uh, partly because they had an infestation of crabs under their eyelids. What? They fucking... They had, eye crabs? They, had, they died of eye, eye crabs? crabs? Like the, the STD crabs, and I guess, like, they bored into their head and, like, infected them and shit. I don't know that what? guy's name. I just know of him as one of them. <laughs> yeah, so, fucking, uh, yeah. Uh, Petronius the Skank, or whatever. Petronius the Skanky. <laughs> so, Skankus like I said, the third. <laughs> of these, <laughs> of these two dozen, like it was, you know, they die, they die under mysterious circumstances. So you assume somebody had been killed, but only one of them was like, you know, we know for a fact this person got killed. This was in eight in eight eighty two was the first ever assassination of a pope, and that was Pope John the Eighth. He was killed by his own clerics. They hired this dude um, who was like the top, I get mercenary or like yeah. a, the, the yeah. assassin. He yeah. was like the top assassin of that time. And I was looking, it's funny, I was reading this one thing and I couldn't find this assassin's name like to save my life. And then I read and somebody was talking about, they're like, that's that's how good he was. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah. Nobody knows yeah. what his name was. What was his was. name? Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Exactly. Right. Yeah, he was the he best the assassin night. of all time. Yes, so, yeah. He's not, not but so, the shadows. That's what you can call him, motherfucker. <laughs> So reportedly, uh, this they poisoned him, and then they're sitting there waiting in the shadows for him to cough to death. 
and yeah. he took a little too long to die, so the dude just clubbed him to death. <laughs> so yeah, he got tired the, of waiting. I get that. <laughs> so he, he just beat the shit out of him. Uh, so the Pope it's a, John it's a very eight, like eight, that, that, that's not as artful of a technique as I would have expected from like the legendary nameless assassin, the best assassin of the dark of ages or whatever. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, so how did he do it? It's yeah. like, well, he mostly just beat him in the head with a stick until they beat died, him. but he was real good at that. Real good at that. And like, no, nope, I thought like, the same thing. He'd stand in the shadows. As soon as you walk through a shadow, whack, stick beat in the your head, ass. Beat your I thought ass. the same Never thing. saw him again. <laughs> I'm like, oh, did this guy invent the blow dart? You know exactly. what I mean? Yes, it's, exactly. But, right. It's like, no, he just. But, uh, no, he, he just, did stick shit. It's like he's just. It's yeah. like <laughs> that's like the most hidden caveman of all time. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not so not how I thought that would go. So when Pope uh, John the Eighth is killed by his own clerics, uh, the next pope was Pope Nicholas, and during his uh, during his reign. He anointed Formosus, who was the feller that the uh, the uh, the uh, cadaver synod is all about. He appointed him the Archbishop of Porto Santa Rufina. Uh, he then goes over to he sends him over to Bulgaria as a representative of the Pope, and he does so good in Bulgaria that Boris the First who was the president of Bulgaria or the king of Bulgaria, Boris, Bulgaria. Um, he was like, Hey, this dude hits. I would like him to be the archbishop of Bulgaria as well as being the archbishop of Porta San Santa Rafina. And, you know, fucking, uh, uh, what's his name? Formosa. Uh, fucking Formosus was just like, Oh yeah, that would hit. But then the Pope, told him he's like hey no we got a rule about this you can't be an archbishop at two places you can't be an ar archbishop at more than one place and the reason why is the same reason that we won't allow y'all to get married because any archbishop you're not allowed to create like uh you you can't if you're if you're the if you're the archbishop in two places you could have a fiefdom you know and if you get married to somebody then now you have access to their land and their family's land and if you're an archbishop you're not allowed to increase your profile you know what i'm saying uh pretty much how i think politicians should be treated but that's that's neither here nor there um so like i said it's against catholic law um uh, but in 8 Dude, in hold on hold on i'm sorry hold on you've just You've really hit for me with that because, like, okay, that you didn't know that me either. the The fact that these like witch killing fucking yeah, you know, demon believing motherfuckers from fifteen hundred years ago, right back when like couldn't nobody read, nobody right. knew what <laughs> nobody knew what math was, they didn't know shit, right? Back then, they were, like, worried about people consolidating too much power and yeah, the corruption man. that would bring. And it's like, we can't have too many, we can't have one person owning too much shit because that yep. would be bad for everybody. Yep. Fast forward to today, and it's like, that's we the worship the people. That's the system. We worship yeah. the people that own all the shit. And it's like, it's wild, man, because you think about, you know, us evolving and moving in one direction or whatever. And in that particular way, it's like, Oh, we need to take a page out of the fucking dark ages book, which is not something no shit. you often say or think. So that's pretty wild. That, 
That is a that's a great point. So obviously this pope wouldn't allow him to do this, but he was still but like to, to be fair. To be fair, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to keep doing this, but to be fair, no, you're fine. They you're also in. had earls and viscounts and dukes and kings and shit who owned yeah. the whole world and just killed their their fucking uh, uh, what was the word serfs killed their serfs yeah. for you know looking at them wrong and shit like that. So like they had some stuff to work out. But that one thing you just said, <laughs> I respect well, this, that. No, me too. But this was clearly like just a church rule, and like for all the, right. the, the Catholic, the Catholic Church obviously has way bigger problems than this shit. But like, I guess in their mind at first, they were just like, "Listen, someone that you're as a bishop, you're supposed to be a servant of God, and a servant of God should not wield power because power ultimately leads to corruption. So like, we can't have this shit." Like you can't get too big for your britches. And now it's it is wild to me that 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 is the re like I thought the reason that they weren't allowed to be married is because like you're not supposed to have impure thoughts about anyone but Jesus. You know, I didn't realize it was because of land ownership and stuff. Do they like actually that. encourage having impure thoughts about Jesus? That's funny. It's like <laughs> the way you put that is like sure, jack off thinking about butt fucking Jesus all you want. <laughs> yeah. That hits for him. That he likes that. In fact, he knows how shredded he is and stuff. He wants you to jack off thinking about his butt. But, like, you can't be doing that about anybody else because that wouldn't be fitting. That's Yeah, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. So he's not allowed to do this, but he, he still is garnering a lot of favor in Bulgaria. And so the rumors are going around that, like, hey, he's not, like, officially archbishop over there. But, like, there's some background shit going on. So in 875, Formosus fled Rome because he was he was afraid uh, of Pope John VIII because the Pope had levied a bunch of serious accusations against him for what I was just saying to the king and claimed that Formosus had corrupted the minds of the Bulgarians and made it, quote, so that so long as Formosus was alive, they would not accept any other bishop. So he was a bishop. What they're basically saying is this dude's a bishop in all but name over there. Like, yeah, you don't have the title, but this guy is he's gone in there. He's seduced these people. He's wielding uh, a, a lot of power. And he also the the pope suggested that he and some co-conspirators had attempted a coup on the pope. So Formosus is like, oh, my God, they're accusing me of all this shit. They'll have my head. So he gets the fuck out of there. Um, he also suggested that Formosus wanted to usurp the newly coronated king who was King Charles the Bald. <laughs> not yeah, bold. Not, not to be confused with his successor and son, King Charles the Fat. <laughs> <laughs> You're bullshitting me. I swear to God. Come on. I swear to God. And here's the deal. Now, Charles the Fat, he yeah. were fat. Um, yeah, he were sounds fat. like it. But, but King Charles the Bald actually wasn't bald. It was a joke, kind of like how if you see a woman that's like six foot two, they call her shorty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, like a bunch of people had like you, in, in every town. There's like some huge guy that they call you know Little tiny. John because he's like yeah. yeah tiny. So it was that he wasn't bald at all, but everyone just called him bald because he had so much hair. He was like a really hairy guy, so they called him Charles the Bald, and, and it didn't hit for him. But everybody just kept doing it, and I was like, dude, it let me be king, and motherfuckers call me bald. See yeah. how that goes. Yeah, and you is bald. You know, I is yeah, right. I is well, bald. I, 
surely I know you said it didn't hit for him, but it, it's got to be one of those deals where like if he's rocking Fabio locks or whatever, right? And everybody's calling him Charles the Bald, they even don't if it annoys him, he's probably yeah. like, yeah, they know what time it is and fucking yeah, they're jealous black and shit. Yeah, <laughs> they just hate so. Me. I- so, like I said, Formosa has fled Rome because, you know, they told him he wanted to stage a coup on the papacy. They also said he wanted to usurp the king. And then, so he flees. But then in 882, so this, all this is happening in 875. Then in 882, so seven years later, Pope John VIII dies and everyone just kind of forgets the whole thing. And Formosus just went back to being the bishop of Porta Santa. Like, literally just waltzed in and was like, I'm not scared anymore. And they're like, sweet, you're our bishop, you know? Um, yeah, he didn't hit for us no way. It's fine. Yeah, right. Nine years and three popes later, Formosus is unanimously elected as pope, making him a true underdog story, Trey, because this would be the first time, and unless I'm missing something, only time someone went from being excommunicated from the papacy to being pope like yeah. he was out and then this guy dies and he just goes back to being bishop and then three popes later they were like we always like this motherfucker right well yeah, that's pretty five right years there. later <laughs> five years later he died right because popes okay. just didn't they didn't last a long time so so he's dead. He was succeeded by Pope Boniface the Sixth, who you're not going to believe this, died two weeks later. He mm-hmm. is then succeeded by Stephen the Sixth, but he was Steve? like but Stephen the Sixth was like Steve. St- I know, I know, and there was I know. Six Pope Steves. That's why I, did, I feel like that before fly him, today, you know. Yeah, I agree. This is in the 900s, and we're already to Steve. Yeah, then, yeah, then very quickly succeeded by Pope Randy the (laughs) Third. And of course, Pope Bill. So, so, so Stephen the Sixth becomes Pope. And he was like, okay, first things first, I got a pretty big problem with the feller from two popes ago. We're going to need to deal with the guy who was two popes ago. So he ordered that Formosus's body be dug up so that he could stand trial. He's accused of, and I don't know what this means, but he's accused of transmigrating seas in in, in violation of canon law of perjury and as serving as a bishop when he was actually a layman. So what that accusation there is, is they go, no, we know that he was actually the bishop of Bulgaria that whole time. He, was, he, he wasn't that name, but he was sort of like how Dick Cheney wasn't technically the president, but like, you know, he yeah. was the president. So this dude is like, no, like we, he needs to stay in trial for all this shit. And they're like, okay, true. But he's been dead for seven whole months. So what do you suggest that we do? And he said, we'll dig that motherfucker up. So they literally dug him up. It's not They're not having a, we're going to have this trial and he ceremoniously will be here. They dug this motherfucker up, propped him up on a throne, dressed him in all his Pope stuff with all the beads, and then... As if that's not insane enough. And also, let me ask you real quick, what you think that smelled like? Yeah, right. I was, yeah, I was gonna say that's like back before embalming and shit too, dude. You just got a goddamn zombie corpse up there, fucking uh, looking rough as hell, stinking. 
At least I gusted him up. What if I told him? <laughs> what if? Yeah, he's wearing all his pope beads, all his yeah, shit. Like, we don't want to be disrespectful. That... <laughs> <laughs> disrespectful. Yeah, he was the pope for God's yeah. sake. And what if I told you that this wasn't even a little bit the most ridiculous part of it? Well, please go on. What do you? Th- how do you think? Just can you guess what happened next? How the how the uh, trial went, <sighs> dude. I know it's going to be something dumb and wild, but I don't know what. Did they demand he testify, and then when he didn't, they're like, see, he's a fucking, he clearly did it. (laughs) It's dumber. It's dumber. Lord. They prop him up on this chair, and they had a deacon of the church sit under the table and answer the questions as if he was the pope. Like a mime. Or like a fucking ventriloquist. Yeah. He had to, they made him answer as if you were this guy. That's what they said. Answer as if you were this guy. And by the way, the Pope, Stephen VI, acted as the prosecutor. The new Pope is the one questioning this fucking cadaver while a deacon underneath it pulls a fucking Jeff Dunham on a dead motherfucker. That is some clown show shit right there. Even by like dark ages church standards, that's pretty wild. I know. It doesn't make any sense. So, um, you're, you know, I think this is probably how you figured this would go, but the corpse is found guilty. <laughs> and afterwards, Pope Stephen then had them strip the corpse, the corpse down, remove all of his papal vestments, and put him into the put him into the clothes of a regular beggar. So they fucking take all their shit off and then just put him in a barrel like old Diogenes or whatever. Yeah, um, then in a in a very Don Corleone move, he then took the three fingers from the right hand of Formosus and cut them off because it's symbolic because these three fingers right here are the ones you use to do your blessings, right? So these are the ones he used to do his blessings, which by the way, symbolically and formally invalidated all of Formosus's acts and ordinations. So if Formosus had forgiven you or blessed you, you going back it to hell. didn't count anymore. Yeah. It didn't count anymore, which is like, to me, oh, no. it's kind of like... You, <laughs> what a bummer. Right? It's kind of like... you. Remember, what are they going to do now? You remember, but I know to them, it was a massive, yeah. a massive thing. I know, but yeah. But they, because they really believed it. But like, it was like that yeah, Caleb right. Sinan used to... Ha- he used to have this joke about... How when you say God dang, it's like you really think God's up there going like, oh, he almost said it, but he got me. He didn't, you know. Well, with this one, it's like, does this mean that when this pope was blessing all these people, God was looking down and going, oh, that poor soul. If only they knew this didn't count. You know what I mean? Like, like the person still like it shouldn't count for that fucking person, but it does. It invalidated all of that shit. So like there's. If you believe all this stuff, there's a lot of people in heaven who immediately went to hell. There's a lot of people who went back to purgatory or whatever. Um, And then, by the way, they chunked him in a pauper's grave. Uh, Later, they were like, this ain't enough. So they dug him up, tied weights to him, and threw him in the river. Well, (laughs) after all this happens... (laughs) Pope Steve just sitting there like a week later like, you know what? 
That ain't it. <laughs> Go dig that bitch up. <laughs> dig his bitch ass up and throw him in the fucking river. And he's like, you sure about this, Pope Steve? It it's like, yeah, that'll that'll satisfy my corpse lust. <laughs> so all this was very public, by the way. This wasn't like, you know, people knew that this was going on. It wasn't like something they were doing behind closed Pope doors. Like, he made this yeah. big spectacle out of this because he had a personal vendetta against Formosus. And he was, the reason that he's wanting to do all this is because obviously, as you said earlier, it's like, well, you know, only God can judge me. The guy was already dead. Why do you care? He really wanted, he was upset that Formosus had a good reputation and he wanted to retroactively make people not like him. Yeah, he wanted right. in death. He didn't want this guy to be remembered. Yeah. And in Pope, yeah. that's a big thing because like people still, they become saints, you know? Right. And he didn't, yeah. he didn't like, want this guy listen, to ever become a saint. y'all walk around acting like this dude hit. I got news for you, all right? He did not hit. <laughs> yeah. Let the record, let the holy, hit. let the holy record show that this man did not hit. <laughs> but there was so, a lot of people that after, were like, I don't know, I kind of feel like he hit. what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, They did. They did. They did. So after all of this, and I would say it was a twofold reason. After all this, the public really started to hate Pope Stephen. I would say yeah. that it's a twofold reason. The one side is because they really like this Formosus guy. Yeah. And the second part is they were like, did you hear that he dug up the old Pope yeah. and made him stand trial? They were yeah. like, this dude's fucking insane. Right? So uh, the public really started to hate Pope Stephen. And around all this, there's a lot of public murmuring going on, like, Pope Stephen don't hit. Formosus was our guy. Well, around this time, Formosus's body washed up on the shore. <laughs> His body <laughs> washed up on the shore. And people kept claiming that there were all these miracles happening. And it yeah. was because of Formosus having washed up on the shore. So now it's like, we were fully convinced, because all these great things have started happening. He was, this trial was bullshit. Pope Stephen don't hit. Formosus did hit. So the public, there's a fucking mob in which they imprison Pope Stephen and then choke him to death. <laughs> a living pope, they imprisoned him, choked him to death. Don't uh, they just pick the biggest, dumbest peasant? Like, who gets to do the choking? Because <laughs> if you got a whole mob, dude, peasant mob, peasants love making mobs. You know, back in the past, pitchforks, fires. Past had so much peasant mob action going on. You did not want to fuck with a peasant mob, but I just wonder how, no. like, only one dude, maybe two, can really do the choking to death. Yeah. Right? So who gets the. Can honor I get choking the Pope? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they choke him, they fucking kill him. And then the Pope after that, Pope Theodore, which I think we're getting back to, that's a good Pope name, I think, Theodore. Um, he then annulled the cadaver synod and ordered that his body be reburied with papal vestments and that all his blessings would be rehabilitated. So in the end, all those people went back to heaven. If they were in hell, well, that's nice. they went back. It is. It's a happy ending. That's a nice ending. happy ending, yeah. Did they have yeah. to like? Did they just go back down to the river where he was still laying there dead? I think so. Like he washed yeah. up, and then it rained after a drought or whatever, and people are like, oh, "Let's <laughs> leave him there." And then three and they weeks put... later, they're like, "Hey, whatever happened to that old dead pope <laughs> who was swelled up that that Steve kept fucking with and stuff before the peasants <laughs> choked him to death?" You know what I'm talking about, right? Whatever happened to that guy? 
Like, oh, well, he's still just right over there. Look down there. You see that corpse? No, not that corpse. No, no. To the no, not the no, pile over, of bes- corpses. Beside the pile of the, bones. Yeah, yeah. To the left of the pile of corpses, to the right of the pile of bones, right there. With the with the hound chewing on it. That's him. He's like, oh. Well, go get him and put him back in the Pope's graveyard. Put him, put him in a robe. Put yeah. a robe on that motherfucker. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, that's the cadaver synod, buddy. Past was wild, boy. Past was wild. I really would love to hear. Maybe this would be a good idea for a podcast. But like, I would love to hear what a podcast between, like a Joe, an episode of Joe Rogan. But when this was going on, yeah, yeah, that's you know funny. what I mean? Like, yeah. that would be fucking wonderful because, like, we think that, like, you know, like, we, we hear these stories and we're all we hear is, like, the side of the Pope and, and the historical books. But, like, what the fuck do you think regular ass people were saying about this shit? It's probably similar to what we're saying. Probably, but way more stunted and dumber sounding because, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Let it know many words or facts or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God damn. Past sucked. Past did suck. Tell you what didn't suck this episode, but that's it for now. We'll be back next week with another that's- rendition. Remember to like, subscribe, leave a five-star review. Tell your friends, your mom and them, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, is that it, Cho? You got anything else? You want to do some mail? Oh, right. I'm sorry. I forgot this time. Yeah. My bad. No, hey, you're okay. It's been a minute since we recorded, buddy. I'll, I'll, uh, but I do have a couple here, uh, that were, that I did. Hold on. I got to go to my primary inbox. That's what it is. There we go. The ones that I have starred. All right, Trey. Uh, subject line Grandma getting fingered. Okay. My maternal grandparents were <laughs> a lot of promise. My maternal, <laughs> my maternal grandparents were married around 1929. At some point when I was about five, so that would be the late sixties, somebody showed me a massage device they had. It was very old. It was this strap thing that you put around your hand that made your hand vibrate like crazy. They told me it was so good. You could give a really good back massage. I think it's an urban legend that doctors in sanitariums treated women with vibrators to cure their hysteria. We women learn how to treat our hysteria at such a young age that we haven't even heard what hysteria is. Considering that my grandparents were both the Catholic children of Catholic immigrants, they surely knew how to treat hysteria since the since they only had two carefully timed children. This is men getting undue credit again when someone should just get the credit for inventing that little hand vibrator and marketing it for back pain. Please don't say my name. I love you. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I, I understand wanting to be left anonymous when you send the grandma getting fingered <laughs> email. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I wasn't giving men any credit for, we were saying it was white, whether it's an urban legend or not. We were I saying did. they were horrible. Yeah. Yeah. That that was crazy. That they're like, Oh, your wife's don't won't stop crying. Let me finger her for a second. I'll fix it. You know, that's <laughs> another example of the past being ridiculous is all we meant, but that's very interesting. Thank you for uh, the tales of your grandma getting fingered. Go ahead. Chuck. This Subject line, Trash Pirates of the Good Old USA. Hey, Trey and Corey, love the show. I've written lots, never had one read on the show. Well, Mm. here you go, pal. 
Trey, in your pirate episode, you missed out on a little-known part of Illinois history, the murderous river pirates of Cave in Rock, Illinois, of, of, of Cave in Rock in Illinois. My husband, the recovering hillbilly, lived near there and grew up hearing about it. His grandmas and grandpas often warned about going into the woods where the Pots could get you. The infamous Pots was a serial killer whose head was put on a pike when finally caught, and the intersection where it was displayed was named Pots Crossing for as long as my husband could remember. The cave pirates hung out in their cave with booze and winches, and when a flatboat came floating down the river, they just waded out and slaughtered the northerns who had brought all their possessions on a move to New Orleans or somewhere south. <clears throat> There were also lots of motels in the area where northerns could check in and never check out. Bodies still pop up in the woods. The families of the pirates stayed in the area, growing into some of the multi-generational hillbilly crime families that are familiar that are a familiar fixture in small towns as much as big cities. My husband's grandpa would not be seen with anyone from the town of Cavan Rock as he was a righteous Christian man. If one sat down with him at the Golden Corral, he got up and left. P.S. Met you at the meet and greet in Minneapolis. I'm the weirdo vegan chef lady. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, that's fascinating. Yes, I, I, I restricted it primarily to saltwater pirates. Um, left out the uh, the freshwater pirates of the Midwest um, and infamy. Yeah, no, I didn't know that existed, but that's very interesting. Thank you. Let's do one more. What do cornflakes and fingering hysterical women have in common? I think I know, but I guess <laughs> I won't step on it. Yeah, I ain't going to step on it. Yeah, don't step on it. I think yeah. I know where this is going, so go ahead. Me too. Howdy, fellas. Yes, you read that right. Cornflakes and fingering hysterical women do have a lot in common. Short answer, the Kellogg brothers. Long mm -hmm. answer, way back when, sometime in the early 1900s, I don't know, I'm not a historian, Dr. Kellogg ran a wellness facility. The fancy people of the day could go there to get healthy and shit. They would go for several months and learn how to lead a healthy lifestyle, nutrition, exercise, stuff like that. Dr. Kellogg was a big believer in treating women's hysteria manually, shall we say. Dr. Kellogg had a brother that was a real fuck-up. Couldn't hold a job, always dreaming of creating something that would make him a household name. You know the type. There's one in every family. I'm the one in my family. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I certainly could be, Mama Kellogg insisted that the good doctor give his brother a job, so he hired him to run the kitchen. I wonder if he ever made those disgusting jello dishes. Hmm, doesn't matter. Anyways, while working, while working for his brother, he invented cornflakes. The patients loved it. Dr. Kellogg didn't care for it, but it made the patients happy and was cheap to make, so whatever. As fate would have it, there was a patient at the clinic that was a successful businessman. He not only encouraged Brother Kellogg to mass-produce cornflakes, he offered to help with the finances and other necessities of setting up a business, getting a patent, setting up a factory, hiring, etc. Dr. Kellogg was thrilled to get rid of his no-good brother and gladly accepted his resignation. Brother had left on his own accord, so Mama couldn't be mad. A few years later, Cornflakes was hitting, the Kellogg Company was a huge success, and the fuck-up brother was a millionaire. But poor Dr. Kellogg had been exposed as a fraud, his clinic was closed, and he was on the brink of bankruptcy. Being a humble man, he apologized to his brother for making fun of him and doubting his new business venture. Nah, he sued his brother. He said that because he was working at the clinic when he invented Cornflakes, the recipe belonged to him, and he should be the rightful owner of Kellogg's. He lost the lawsuit, but his brother did give him a spot on the board. Who's the fuck up now, Doc? 
there's your little bit of history from Mama Lisa. Stay fancy. Actually, that went in a different way than I thought it was going to go. Yeah. I thought it was going to be about Kellogg inventing cornflakes yeah. to keep people keep from jacking, jacking off. Jacking off, which is what I always heard. Yeah. I 100% Me thought too. that's where that was going. I think I could be wrong, but Me I too. think on a very early episode of this, I think we talked about that. Or I might be thinking of a well-read episode. I know on some podcasts we We've probably did. Uh, we've talked but, about it. Yeah, because it's pretty fascinating. Maybe really both are, I mean, both could be true, yeah. but I've never heard that it was the brother. That's it. That's an interesting tidbit. And if it's not true, I don't want to know. Yeah, I remember just when I was talking about, like, you know, all these kids won't stop jacking off. Let's make their cereal not yeah. hit or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> never really got it, but it was a thing. Anyway, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> Take us home, uh, Joe. Thank y'all for Hey, thank y'all for listening to Putting On Airs and watching Putting On Airs. And most importantly, telling your friends about Putting On Airs and supporting our sponsors. We love you. We'll see you next week. And as always, stay fancy, motherfuckers. Skew. Skew. Here's Lydia Loveless. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Royalty and rednecks are alike. They both like cutting and picking fights. Biscuits and baked beans where they don't belong. Sit on down with Corey and Trey and learn some fancy shit today. We'll laugh a little even when they're wrong. They'll take you to a magical place where if you call someone a cut, nobody cares. They keep it debonair at putting on airs, putting on airs, putting on airs.